0: Let's talk about Jesus. We're going through the Gospel of John. We're up to John chapter 15.
1: And I think my next slide is a video. Let's have a look. I am the true vine. And my father is the farmer. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already pruned clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I in you. As the branch can't bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who remains in me and I in him, the same bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If a man doesn't remain in me, he is thrown out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them, throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be done for you. In this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so you will be my disciples. Even as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love. Even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and remain in His love. I have spoken these things to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be made full. This is my commandment, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant doesn't know what his Lord does. But I have called you friends, for everything that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you will ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. I command these things to you, that you may love one another. Very cool. So we're going through John chapter
0: 15, and it's about Jesus the Vine, and this is why I wanted the headset, but I, Jeremy, you can come and be my microphone stand, is that all right? Mm-hmm. Can you come and hold this? Because <laughs> I'm gonna pretend I know how to play a keyboard. Because I can play a little bit. Now, I'm hoping, there we go. Just keep that muscle tense right there, see that?
1: <laughs>
0: okay, so uh, I'm hoping you know this song, because I was gonna put the words up and I realized I haven't, but Given the age demographic in the room, I think you might know it. You can probably guess what song it might be. We're talking about the vine. Anyone know any songs about vines? Do you know you are the, the one? Who knows it? Hands up. All right, three people. Can you sing it with me? Ready? You are the vine. We. Let me try that again. talking <laughs> it's all good Oh, well, now I've left my clicker over here now everything's disorganized it's all good who knew that song a few more hands now that's good fantastic I was actually saved in an Anglican church and scripture and song books who knows those I'm pretty sure that's in of them. and uh, that was my whole praise and worship repertoire for a while they're beautiful songs because it's just singing God's word and that's what we're getting into now so we ready? Yeah. John chapter 15 is about Jesus the vine. And so let's get started and pick up where we are in the in the gospel of John. So right now time in the in this account is running out fast for Jesus. Because he's close to being arrested, tried and crucified. That is coming really quickly. Uh, and there's so much more that he wants to teach his disciples to prepare them for the time when he would no longer be with them. I'm sure there are some teachers in the room. I know Ian's talked before and is very grateful he's not now. But if you've ever been a teacher (laughs) and there's so much information that you want to share but you've only got a short amount of time, how do you do it? It's a challenge, isn't it? Because you only cram so much into a listener's mind uh, without overwhelming them and then forgetting key things and whatever. So this is a dilemma that Jesus faced. There's so much he wanted to share. And uh, he had to get it out in a way um, that would still enter their tired minds and be remembered. So one way that you can teach, and I'm not a teacher. I mean, I try my best to teach on a Sunday, I guess, or preach, or whatever you want to call it. But one way is to use pictures. And uh, that's what Jesus did. Because when you use a picture, you remember the picture, don't you? It's it's a little easier than if, if I just said to you you're the vine he's the branches da 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 and I just said all those words and you had like one minute to retain it all woo but if I show you a picture of a grapevine and I explain the relationship that we have with Jesus while you're looking at that picture I think you would retain a whole lot more of that information so Jesus and the disciples left the upper room I've got a little if it was Google Maps it would look something like that. That's Google Maps from back in the day. So they left the upper room, you can see there in the upper city, now They left, and, and they left the upper room, walked through the Kidron Valley, and up the, bless you, or cough, that's a cough. No, it's a cough. It's all good. Kidron Valley, up the Mount of Olives to the Garden of Gethsemane. You can see it there in the top, sort of right area there. So along the way, there's every chance that they passed by many different vineyards. Uh, and that would have prompted Jesus, I think, to compare himself to a vine and his disciples to branches. So Jesus taught that believers who abide in him will bear fruit, just like vine branches bear grapes. That's the illustration that he gave. So after that lesson on fruitfulness, Jesus then also taught many courses on love, friendship, uh, persecution, and the helper that he was sending after he left earth. Uh, so let's start at John chapter 15, verses 1 to 2. All the scriptures are on the screen, or you can follow along in your own Bibles, uh, or even in the notes that are online. The scriptures are there too. So we just it. It says this: "I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes, that it may bear more fruit." Now, am I being too Aussie saying branch, or should it be brunch? branch? Right. <laughs> Jacqueline says branch, and everybody else says? Branch. Okay, right, I'm gonna say branch. Because
1: <laughs> I'm <an> Aussie, mate. <laughs>
0: dance, dance, potato, potato, I don't know. All right, so, he's talking about painful pruning here. Painful pruning. So, in the vineyard comparison, Jesus called himself the vine and called his father the vine dresser. Believers are the branches and the fruit they bear is character, such as the character qualities that Paul talked about, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. All our kids know that because we've done that at Kids Club before. So vines exist to bring forth fruit, large, sweet, juicy grapes. Amen? None of these sour, bitter, little puny, whatever they are, sultanas. Uh, We're talking the big, juicy, yummy grapes. So, in order to get a crop like that, the vine dresser has to cut back the vines. And Alec often does that for us. Our little vine out the front here that makes backpackers think that we're a vineyard, and they put little letters under my door here. Can we please have work? I've got one grapevine. Seriously, they think we're anyway. It's all good. Uh, So. You cut back the vines and you get rid of unproductive and dead branches. That's what you're doing. There's always a big pile. Hey, you've got to bring your trailer in, dump them, get rid of them. And grapevines were pruned way back for the first three years when they're new to keep them from bearing fruit so that they would produce quality grapes later on. That's, that's sort of the way it goes. Each year after the third year, they were pruned in late winter so they would yield larger harvests of fruit in August and September. So, so gardeners pruned with a hook that had a sharp curved blade. We, we read the story, maybe not so much now. Our kids are a bit older, but Timmy, you would remember um, the, the Lost Cecil the Lost Sheep series of books. Maybe some parents know that one. Yeah, yeah, you know those. And there was Basil, wasn't there? There was one about Basil that the, the uh, and what was he? He was a he was a branch. It he? was here, Basil the Branch, and uh, he was very afraid of what is called, the, the, the clips are called secateurs. Those of you that are gardeners, which I'm not, uh, know that word, secateurs. And they're sharp. And Basil's always pretty scared of the secateurs coming because he thinks it's gonna cut, it's gonna hurt me. Uh, I'm not happy about this at all. Uh, but he ends up getting ingrained into the, the vine uh, and, and produces great fruit in the end, even though he went through that initial slip that he wasn't very pleased about. So, as the vine dresser, God knows what we need. Do you trust him with that? It's hard when you need something and you haven't got it yet to still trust God has what you need. Uh, If you've been there, you know what I'm talking about. It's a challenge. But that's faith. We've got to trust that God knows what we need. He also knows what we don't need. And and when he gives us what we need and what we don't need, the goal is to develop Christ-like character. That's what it's all about. So in order to get the kind of fruit and to keep us depending on him, he allows perhaps challenging times. Nobody likes them. But you walk through them and maybe we call it a pruning season. I don't know whether you're that way inclined. But no matter how painful the season is, whether it's you call it a pruning season or whatever, God does it to produce something better from the process. How many of you know, we've been through our fair share of Things that we just wish we never went through. Hard times, car crashes, parents passing away. Things things that have happened in our world since we've moved to Stanthorpe. And we didn't like them. We don't like those seasons. But we know when we look back in hindsight, we've come out uh, better versions of ourselves, if you want to call it that. God's done a work in us to be able to deal with that difficult thing that's happened uh, and come out the other end shining for his glory and even better than before. I don't know if you can relate, but that's, that's been our story. And, and that's what I would call a, you could call a pruning season, where God just strips everything back. What really matters? What's really important? See, the gardener prunes his vine, and he works with extreme care. It's just not it's not haphazard, is it, Alec? I see you here, and you're really careful. You're making decisions every snip. Does that need to go? Does that need to stay? Does that, it takes time. And so you take extreme care. Well, does God take any less care with us as he leads us through a difficult season? You know, there's no threat here in this picture. Some people might say, oh, the pruner's coming. He's going to snip me of everything. And then you're sort of in fear because, oh, God's going to strip that away and strip that away. But that's not the picture we're painting here. Uh, God is a gardener who prunes, but there's no warning to produce or else. It's not like... If you're not doing what you're meant to do, I'm going to slip you (laughs) It's not like that. It's not that kind of picture. So instead, we're assured that God, the gardener, actively tending his vineyard is fully committed to bring us to maximum fruitfulness. That's what God wants to achieve in and through each of our lives, that we would be fruitful to the max. Everyone say max. Max, Max. that's what God (laughs) wants to do. God's pruning work benefits us. It doesn't threaten us. So it's important to understand that. Here's something to ponder. God prunes his children in a variety of ways. He allows all sorts of things to happen in this journey that we call life. And I can't give you an explanation uh, as to why you faced what you faced and someone else hasn't faced that because I'm not God. But what I do know is that many of these things are not so great things and I'm sure we wish that they would never happen. But whatever it is, challenging times can be seen as times of pruning designed to drive us to God because we need him in those seasons and in those times. So we'll depend on him and grow to be more like Jesus. That's what I do know. God is taking us all on a journey to become more like him. Amen? Amen. So John chapter 15 verses 3 to 4 says this. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. (laughs) She'll throw something at me in a minute. Unless it abides in the vine, neither, neither or neither. Keep going. Can you, unless you abide in me. It's a good thing Jacqueline loves me. We're talking about God's green thumb, and I'm glad he has a green thumb, because I don't. You know, if I did gardening, I would pull everything out because everything looks like a weed to me. Uh, And then someone would say, well, no, that's, you know, you do a garden with potatoes and beef. So good I don't go anywhere near it because I have no clue. God's words already cleaned or pruned the 11 men that are with Jesus because he's been with them all this time and sown into their lives. So they were ready for bearing fruit. So to do so, they needed to abide in Jesus. And abide means to stay with be joined to spend time with that's what abide means it's more than a casual relationship someone we just call up once in a blue moon or you know an acquaintance it's actually an ongoing deepening friendship to abide in someone is to have that kind of relationship see when we abide and this is important when we abide we set aside everything else and i mean everything no distractions no phone beeping and getting our attention. We, we, we shut it all off. We set aside everything else from which we might derive strength and merit from. Or we think we do. <laughs> and then we draw closer to Christ. Our true source of strength. Abiding involves a growing sense of our own weakness. God, I need you. God, I can't do life without you. You're the air that I breathe. You're the wisdom in my mind. You're the you're the source of everything, and I need you. Those who learn well to abide will stay put for the pruning. So when the pruning comes, you're not going to go running and go oh, blow this God thing. It's too hard, and I'm not interested in pruning. I've had enough of that. Had my fair share. But because you abide in Him, the seasons of pruning that come or the difficult seasons, whatever you want to call them, you'll abide in him throughout even the harshest of storms. And he will carry you through what it is that you're facing. We need the will to abide. It's a choice. We need to will. We need to go, you know what? The storms of life are hitting me, but I choose to stand. It's difficult, but I'm here, God, and I need you. You've got to will that. It's something that you've got to walk out. So we need the will to abide, the will to get into the Word. We've got to go, I need to read the Word. I want to learn something from the Word today. I want to listen to the Sunday sermon and not fall asleep. Not uh, it's all good for kids. But we need the will to do those things. Uh, the will to associate with other believers. How many of you know in this room there's somebody you clash with? Don't look at them now. Because <laughs> that's awkward. It's a small church and people. Don't even sideways glance. <laughs> Just, I'm looking at the camera. (laughs) But we need the will to come and and be together as the family of God. Yes, some of us rub each other the wrong way, and that's life. You know, you're not going to find a perfect church anywhere where everyone gets a long peachy cream. Um, Although we we make a good shot at it here. But clashes happen. It's life. The key is getting past that and beyond that and moving forward and still remaining in relationship. That's the key. And that's a sign of a healthy family, and I'd like to think Vineyard's one of those. So we need the will to associate with other believers, the will to put ourselves into places where we can grow. Some of us um, enjoy those comfortable places where we just, everything's great, everything's cruisy, and life is just going along nicely. I do not want to put myself out there and stretch at all because I'm comfortable. Let's not get comfortable. We could get comfortable as a church and forget a building program and go, you know what, we'll just squeeze everyone in. We'll hang them from the ceiling. I don't know, it doesn't matter. And we won't stretch ourselves. But how many of you know building what we want to build is a stretch? It's putting us out there. And uh, it's a challenge. But what a great place to be in because it means God can now do his thing and he can move powerfully. And we'll be in there and we'll, in hindsight, look back and go, you know what, how faithful was our God? And it's going to glorify him because we can't do that without him. We need him to stretch us. And to help us to be part of that vision and and see it, even though in the natural it looks next to impossible. In the spiritual, nothing is too hard for my God. Amen? Do you believe that? So remaining in Jesus is not an automatic act. It doesn't just happen by default. We have to work at the relationship, doing the following things. And, And those things are praying. That's a good thing to pray. Hope you do that every now and then. Reading and studying the Bible. It's good to get into his word. Worshipping God alone and also with other believers. It's so good to be here on time at 9 o'clock, praise the Lord. And uh, everyone's worshipping Jesus. We didn't didn't do too bad today. It was good. Uh, But some mornings we start at 9 o'clock and it's like six people here. Praise the Lord. And by the third song, open my eyes and, whoa, we're full. Look at that. Uh, It's good to be here to praise God together. But it's also good to do it alone in your room at home in your private time and space. Here's another one that some of us maybe struggle with, being accountable to at least one other believer. Oh, but I don't have to share my deepest, darkest whatever's with anyone. Well, I'd encourage you to do so, because it keeps you accountable. Oh, but God's my accountability. You can say that and you can live that, but I'll stand to disagree with you. We all need either like a mentor or a friend or just someone that we can share anything with and know that there's no judgment, know that we're going to get good counsel and support and know that we're going to see through life's journey because God's put us together with someone that's going to help us. That's so important, uh, to have that kind of person in your world. So let me encourage you, if you don't have that person, start praying into that space and saying, well, God, who would you connect me with that I could be accountable to? Uh, and then the last one is serving others. To... to uh, Remain in Jesus is to serve others because didn't Jesus come not to be served but to serve? And so I'd encourage you, find a way to serve, whether it be in the life of the church on a roster, whether it be throughout the week, uh, as many of you do, ministering to people that you meet. and Just be the hands and feet of Jesus and serve him in whatever capacity that he opens up to you. Okay, verses 5 and 6, we'll keep going. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. That's pretty clear, isn't it? If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. That sounds exciting. So, the vineyard scene. Let's talk about it. Attachment to Jesus is the only way to produce fruit. That's pretty much what the scripture says. Without him, we can do nothing. So we've got to be attached to Jesus to produce fruit. Since he's the source of our spiritual nourishment, he's the source of our strength, we need to be connected with him. Otherwise, we're depleted. That's why when you see people who go away from church for whatever reason, you see a significant shift in their life, particularly if they've gone away from from not just church, but from Jesus as well. Things shift, things change, because they've lost that energy source, that that encouragement, that peace, that direction that Jesus brings. In the physical realm, the gardener cuts off dead branches and burns them like garbage. In the spiritual realm, God the gardener can remove that which doesn't bear fruit, so he prunes them, he prunes them. Some Bible students, and this is where it gets a little controversial, so get ready to, no one's debating today, you can debate it in the foyer afterwards. Some Bible students believe that the branches that are removed are believers who lost their salvation. Previously, Jesus taught that that is impossible because Jesus said, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. That's in John Amen. chapter 10. Other believers, other people believe that the dead branches are people who claim to be believers but were never saved. People like maybe Judas Iscariot who uh, betrayed Jesus. But here's the point with this one. Dead branches on a grapevine started out being connected to the vine. So people who have never believed in Jesus have never been connected to him. So how can that be? So here's what I think it is. Because That's what you're waiting for, so you can write me an email. (laughs) The subject of this passage is about fruitfulness, not salvation. It's not talking about saved, unsaved. It's talking about are you fruitful, are you not? And if you're not, God will prune you and, and until you bear fruit. That's what it's talking about. You might disagree, and I love you too. So there's no fixed line that says the vine ends here and the branch starts there. Don't you love that? There's no fixed point. That's why Jesus couldn't have chosen a better illustration, I think, of this intimate bond that he seeks with us. He wants us to identify so closely with him that others cannot tell where he leaves off and where we begin. That's the kind of relationship he's calling us to have. One which it's not like, oh yeah, that's them and then up to that point it's Jesus. No, it's blended because there's no beginning or it's just a connection. And I've preached a message on this before where when we're connected to something, whatever we connect to, hopefully it's Jesus, but whatever we connect to, the characteristics of that thing become part of who we are. That's so why you've got to be careful with what you connect with. If it's something outside of church and it's not God's for God's glory or for his purpose, but that characteristic of whatever that thing is that you're connecting to, might be drinking, smoking, the pub scene, whatever, when you connect and allow that to come in, it becomes part of who you are. And so we've got to be careful what we choose to allow ourselves to connect to. Please connect to Jesus. That's all I can do, I can implore you. Connect to him and the characteristics of Christ become every bit part of you. Why? Because he dwells in your heart. And So that's the challenge. What are we connected to? He wants us to identify so closely with him that people can't tell where we stop and he begins. Okay. Verses 7 and 8 of John chapter 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So in other words, a bumper crop. That's what we want in our lives. Lots of fruitfulness. See, true followers of Jesus do more than believe in him. They remain in him and let Jesus' words change the way they live. And when they're doing that, Jesus will answer their prayers that are in line with becoming more like him and glorifying the Father. See, what draws attention to God is bearing much fruit, becoming more and more like Jesus, because he bore the ultimate fruit. And he wants us to bear fruit in our lives because we abide in him. And every characteristic that represents him becomes our portion because we are connected like a vine is to a branch. So we want Jesus' words to change the way we live. And if we want that, we need to know what his words are. So the primary way to know them is to read the Bible. That's why it's so important that we get into our word, so we can hear the word of the Lord. But we can also get to know his words by listening to sermons based on scripture. hope you're getting something out of today. When Anita preaches, anyone on this pulpit, we're very protective of who we let speak up here because we want to make sure they're sowing into your life. So you can listen to sermons based on scripture and studying the Bible with other believers. So being part of a small group, connect group, Bible study on Wednesday night, ladies' groups on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, Ross's study on a Saturday. All opportunities to connect with believers and connect with his word. Okay. Verses 9 to 11 says this As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Not half empty. (laughs) Not, Not just a small portion. Full. See, one of the advantages of being connected to Jesus is experiencing his love for you. The same kind of love the Father had for him. His love is unconditional. The best kind of love. So it doesn't matter what you do. What you've done, what you will do, his love is unconditional because he loved you first before any of that stuff. So his love is unconditional, constant and never ending. Why? Because God's the same yesterday, today and forever. We sung it this morning, you are the same God. So if he loved you then, he'll love you now and he'll love you over there as well. We remain in Jesus' love by obeying his commandments. But here's the thing, we don't obey his commandments to receive his love. And I talked about that in John chapter 14 and dwelled on it quite a bit because it's a bit of a mind wrestle for some people. In this world, it's such a works-based life. You go to work, you get a wage. You go to work, you get a promotion. You be kind to your friend, you become besties. You earn stuff, don't you? This is so opposite because you don't have to earn anything. You just have to love Jesus, surrender your life to him, and all these things are added to you. And you then you will obey him because you love him. You won't obey him to obtain or gain his love. Because if that was the case, there would be levels. You know, people would be Jesus would be more pleased with others and others because of what they do in their life for him. But it's never it never will be, and it never has been based on what you do. And if it is, I'm sorry, your theology is wrong, and you need a you need a revelation from Jesus. Because me saying it might not mean anything to you. But there's no... Jesus loves you first. And out of that, we outwalk, obeying his commandments, the things he asks us to do. See, God is far more interested in a love relationship with you than he is in what you can do for him. He's not impressed by fancy words and dressing the right way to come to church. and Those things don't matter. They are not important. Remaining in my love is what Jesus keeps on saying here. Some people explain this as meaning that Christ demands a return of love to his disciples, but that's not what's going on here. Others better understand it as Christ's love to us. Abide in my love that is there for you already and constant and always come come and abide in it. Trust in it, lean in on it, let me love on you. It's there already, you don't have to earn it, come and abide in it. He means for us to enjoy continually the love he had for us and has for us. And so he warns us to be careful not to deprive ourselves of it. Don't walk away from the love of Christ because there's so many benefits to being in him, abiding in him, doing life with Christ. Verses 12 and 13. Love and joy from the vine. That's what we just talked about. This is my commandment, that you love one another... As I've loved you that's pretty clear isn't it greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends that's the kind of love he's talking about and uh, that's a big love (laughs) giving your life for someone else you know Anzac day is coming up and we honor and remember the sacrifices of many so that we could live the life that we live and this talks about them too. They laid down their lives. There's no greater love than to do that. And that's what Christ has done for us. So it's all about loving the branches. You know, loving other believers must be important. It's got to be important. Since Jesus repeated this command several times. Remember I said last week, when something's repeated in Scripture, pay attention When a teacher's in front of a classroom and they say things three or four times, it's on the test. (laughs) So Jesus many times commands that believers must love one another. Because it's the first fruit of the Spirit that Paul lists in Galatians. The fruit of the Spirit is love. It's the first one for a reason. It's also the markup of a believer. We've talked about that before back in John chapter 13. Uh, John 13, 34-35 A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you that you also love one another by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Like I said before there are people in this room that grind you the wrong way but when you love them they might not be your best friend but you can have the love of Christ for them as a brother when you love them People from the world come into a situation like this and go, these people are different. (laughs) If we were the club down the road, you know, the RSL, whatever, we had a beef with someone, well, we'd just not come or kick them out or degrade them or, you know. But we don't do that as the body of Christ because we are encouraged to love one another. Is everyone going to be your best friend? No. But we can be respectful. We can treat each other as Christ would treat us. That's the challenge of any church. So the kind of love that Jesus wants his followers to show towards others is selfless love. So forget about how I'm feeling. Forget about what's going on inside and the anger or whatever, the annoying feelings towards a certain whatever. Forget about all that because that's selfless. Let it go and love them as a brother or a sister in Christ. That kind of love always does what is best for others rather than for yourself. That's what selfless love is. It's about how it impacts everyone around us not so much about how it impacts me how do we apply this to our life look we don't get many calls to be a hero and die for someone else maybe you do i don't know what kind of work you do (laughs) but we don't all get calls like that every day but here's the thing we can lay down our lives for our friends in other ways you know listening to someone who needs to talk giving away money or possessions to someone who is in need spending time with friends who are lonely and Helping out in a variety of ways. All these ways are laying down self because self says, no, there's nothing in it for me. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just go and take care of my needs and the things that are important to me. Well, no, no. Selfless love is about how can I make somebody else's life better today? What can I do? What step can I take? What action can I put in place to be a blessing to somebody today? So we can lay down our lives in many ways different ways let's come to a close verses 14 to 15 in john chapter 15 you are my friends if you do whatever i command you no longer do i call your servants for a servant does not know what his master is doing but i have called you friends for all things that i heard from my father i have made known to you we're befriending the branches let's have a look at this See, so often Jesus operated in a way... Come on up, Jim. Not too loud, Drew. <laughs> it's all right. He knows. Jesus operated in a way that was opposite to the way of everybody else. I think you've caught on to that by now. It's very different. In his day, a teacher's followers were servants, but Jesus called his followers friends. You know, the master doesn't tell his servants about his business or share what he knows But he tells his friends, and that's what Jesus did. He told his disciples what the Father told him. Today we use the term friend in a much more casual way than Jesus, and his disciples understood that word in those days. So for them, friendship included loyalty, equality, the sharing of possessions, hello, (laughs) and the intimacy of sharing secrets. The Greek word for friend means a friend in the court. Someone who is part of the king's inner circle. That's who a friend was. So to the Greeks of that time, the greatest expression of friendship was to die for a friend. Only two people who lived before Jesus are called friends of God. You probably know who they are. Abraham and Moses. I'm nearly done. It's all right. (laughs) Jesus widened. (laughs) I love you, Melody. You're awesome. Jesus widened the friendship circle to include everyone who believes in Him. Jesus called us to be His friends and the friends of God. That's what He's called us to be. And that is a tremendous offer. It means that no longer do we need to gaze longingly at God far off in the distance. We're not like slaves who have no right whatever to enter into the presence of the master. We are not like a crowd whose only glimpse of the king is this passing fleeting moment on some state occasion where the king's walking out of the queen, depending on country you're in. Jesus gave us this intimacy with God so that he is no longer a distant stranger, but he becomes our very close friend. And I'm so glad Jesus came to make our relationship personal with our heavenly father curtain tore in two. All the religious steps were broken because Jesus came so that we could have an intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father and he calls us friends. So if you bow your head, close your eyes. I'm going to come to a close and the kids said amen. (laughs) Love you kids. You've been really good today. If you haven't surrendered your life to Jesus, this is your moment. God desires to call you His friend and invite you into that intimate relationship with Him. He's not this far-off, distant, porn-moving God that controls your life in a very un, uh, unclose and unrelational way. But He desires and longs to call your friend and have you in His world, a close relationship with Him. So if you want to surrender your life to Jesus in this moment, every meeting at Vineyard Christian Church... I feel compelled to give this opportunity because it's why we're here, to see people say yes to Jesus. So if you want to surrender your life to Him, in this moment, why don't you just lift up your hand so I know who I'm praying for. And we're going to pray as a church together, not going to drag you out the front, nothing like that. But we do want you to respond because God sees the response of your heart. So let's show that today by raising of hands. And if you're at home in your living room, don't tune out. This moment is for you as well. God's looking for your response today to his love and his friendship fantastic praise God let's all pray this together because it's so good to affirm our relationship in him so say it after me dear Jesus Jesus. I thank you that you came I thank you that you died for me and you rose again you conquered sin and death so that I can live a free life free of condemnation free from the mistakes of my past. I can now hold my head up high because I declare that you are my Lord and I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. And so I'm a Christian and I choose to live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we thank God for people that have made a decision for Jesus?